Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Thank you for your continued support. And if you're interested in sponsoring me, you might think about buying me a cafe con leche. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Someone sent me a poem this week and the author is unknown. If the mountain seems too big today, then climb a hill instead. If the morning brings you sadness, it's okay to stay in bed. If the day ahead weighs heavy and your plans feel like a curse, there's no shame in rearranging. Don't make yourself feel worse. If a shower stings like needles and a bath feels like you'll drown, if you haven't washed your hair for days, don't throw away your crown. A day is not a lifetime. A rest is not defeat. Don't think of it as failure, just a quiet, kind retreat. It's okay to take a moment from an anxious, fractured mind. The world will not stop turning when you get realigned. The mountain will still be there when you want to try again. You can climb it in your own time. Just love yourself till then. My guests this week, Reg and Sue Spittle. They're Americans and they're on the line from Ashland, Oregon. Welcome, pilgrims. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Hello, Dan. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited about this interview because I've done a bit of research. I have to concede I don't know a lot about you guys, but... Reg, you wrote to me to say you were introduced to the Camino de Santiago by Martin Sheen's movie, The Way. But, Sue, let me start with you. Reg said in an email to me, walking the Camino was the last thing on my mind. My wife pulled me almost kicking and screaming to Spain. So tell us, tell us how it all panned out. How did you get him there if he was kicking and screaming? Well, I don't know about kicking and screaming, but, you know, we watched the movie probably towards the end of summer, right after we had both quit working, probably in August. And, um, you know, something about the movie just it just got to me and it just seemed like something I really wanted to do and almost needed to do. And so I just sort of tossed the idea out to Reg. You know, I said, well, we should do it. Uh, Walk the Camino. And uh he pretty much thought I was nuts, but as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I knew I really meant it and I really wanted to do it. So I just, I just sort of played the broken record with him, and 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 eventually I kind of wore him down, um, you know, due to some other things too that happened. But um, you know, uh, so we we found ourselves on the Camino, and uh, it was just kind of a life-changing experience. Yeah, and you mentioned there some, in inverted commas, other things. There was a, a friend's, you lost a friend, a tragic death. Tell us about that, Sue. Well, we did. It was very unexpectedly. Someone we had known for about 20 years, our kids grew up together, and we had been friends. And uh, as the kids were adults, we started doing more and more with this couple. And... Uh, sort of out of the blue overnight, his health went from what we thought was, you know, healthy to uh, someone who was, you know, fighting for his life. Um, And at just 58 years old, we lost him. Um, I think that was probably the turning point for Reg in deciding that, you know, maybe maybe he could find something uh, along the Camino to, to help him understand this loss. Um, yeah, so, you know, for me, I think it was, for me, I think it was just the actual walking. I just wanted to sort of celebrate the fact that I could walk it. You know, that was kind of my thing. Hey, that's a very, very interesting point you just made. Celebrate the fact that you could walk it. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'll return to that. I'll return to that. But Reg, I want to ask you, because you wrote to me, and you said instead of feeling fear and discomfort, you were you were so frightened in in many respects of co-ed dorms and bathrooms. You were an intro, <laughs> you're, right? You're an introvert, and and really had yes. suffered your whole life from anxiety. Yes. Y- yet somehow on the Camino, you kind of found a kind of peace. 
How and why? Well, you know, I'm not sure why I'm wired the way I am, but uh, whether it's a life of poverty, bullying in schools, you know, non-communicative father, you know, all of the above, what wired me this way? But as soon as, you know, when Sue mentioned or said we should walk the Camino, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is like you just said, co-ed dorms. I saw what Martin Sheen did, huh. uh, co-ed bathrooms, and I remembered some of the tortuous uh, events that happened in junior high and high school locker rooms. And it just, uh, my, my wiring just threw me into a tizzy, and I couldn't imagine myself coping with that. So I, I was lost, but then uh, I just couldn't see myself doing it. But Sue doesn't give up easily. Um, she couldn't. She couldn't see a reason why we didn't do it. She said, "We're retired. What else are we got to do with our lives?" You know. Um, you know. And, and a couple things resonated with me, Dan. Uh, one, when I left uh, teaching political science, one of my students, the last day he saw me, said, "Remember, remember Spittle? Remember when you told us that we really live when we are outside our comfort zone?" And Miguel said, now it's your turn, Spittle. And, and, uh, and that resonated. And then, then when uh, Ron uh, died so quickly uh, from, the, from leukemia, you know, the combination of those two voices, Ron and, and Miguel, I just, it just resonated. And I, I thought, well, I can do it. I caved in. There we go. I gave <laughs> in to my wife. She knew better. You know, I can hear emotion in your voice when you tell that story. It, yeah. It's, cl- um, it's clearly had a major impact on you, hasn't it? Yes. The, the Camino, um, and there's a lot of cliches about it, the magic of the Camino, the Camino will provide. We've heard them over and over and over again. And people say they tire of the cliches, and maybe there's better ways to say those words, but there is a magic on the Camino. And there's a magic in trekking, too. We've done other treks since. And for me, it's, uh, I called it in my book, it's my fountain of youth. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, now, I'm now 66 years old. And, I, you know, when I'm walking, I feel 18, you know, and there's, you know, in every way. Yeah. Um, and and, and it return, every walk since has returned me to the Camino and that feeling of youth and uh, peace and peace, too. Let me take you back, Reg, if I could, to to the Camino. Can you remember when it dawned on you that something extraordinary was happening? Uh, is that for me? Yeah, you can. Say, yes, sure, sir. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I think um, you know, I certainly had my doubts as to whether we could actually do it or not. Um, you know, we were day hikers, and and even as day hikers, we weren't distance hikers. So uh, the idea of doing day-in, day-out hiking um, was a little intimidating. Um, but I think, I think with the first day we set out and stayed in, a, in the albergue, I think I realized how relatively easy it was going to be maybe not physically, but emotionally. And, um, you know, the Camino is just set up to help you. Everybody's there to take care of you, to make sure you have what you need. Um, The albergues are spaced really, you know, close enough so that you don't have to walk any farther than you want to. Um, I think the people were just welcoming and friendly, the, uh, the Spanish people as well as the other walkers. It just seemed kind of like a dream come true, you know, a, a way to see a country uh, from a different vantage point where you had all the time in the world each day to just wander. Um, so I think that was pretty much from day one for me. Yeah, but so did you do much training before you left? You know, we thought we did. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure you can really train for 30 days of walking. Yeah. Um, I think we probably put about 100 miles on our shoes, um, and that certainly didn't help me prevent blisters or sore muscles. Or, um, But, 
you know, I'm pretty determined, I guess. So I kind of walk through all that, just push on. Okay, so how did you treat the blisters? Let me ask you that. <laughs> I, I wish I'd taken pictures of my feet because I tried everything. I had duct tape, I had band-aids, I had gauze, I had tape, I had, um, y- you know, I tried two pairs of socks, I tried one pair of socks. I just, I think I just had the wrong shoes in part. But you made it. That's the main thing. Well, I did. You know, we had some rest days. We had some uh, some professional help for my feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and I will say that I've had problems with my feet on other hikes, too. So I don't think it was just the Camino. I think it's just more my feet that don't really like the walking. You know, uh, Dan, could, could I go back to that question and of course. give you an answer? Yeah. When I could tell that. You know, uh, when with the turning point, uh, I think when I think back to that, Sue mentioned the first albergue. Uh, I remember walking up the steps to our dorm room and how my heart rate, everything, what everything was in full overdrive. I was so nervous about the first dorm. But then when I walked into the, the bathroom, which was not an easy thing for me to do, but there was a young guy, a Spaniard, probably 20 years old, standing at the sink. And his friendliness, his acceptance of me, an old guy coming in, he just reached out. And that's kind of how I felt for five weeks, is the people of the Camino, the people who work there, the people who volunteer, the people who you walk with, people from all over the world, they accept you the way you are. It's not, they're not competitors. They're not judges. Uh, and that's what that's what I was expecting. I was expecting that I wouldn't be able to keep up, that I wouldn't measure up, that I would look foolish. And none of that applies to life on the Camino because it's a it's a culture of acceptance of the way you are and who you are. And that that told me that first interaction with that young Spaniard was uh, was what that's how it was the entire time. I love that nobody says, what do you do for a living? (laughs) That's right. No one cares. Yeah, it's fairly discussed, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, you're just a pilgrim. We're all the same. Everyone's the same. It's so beautiful. And everybody's on the same level and the same playing field, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to step off the Camino for a minute, Reg, because you're a recently retired political science professor a long-time newspaper journalist. And I have to say that the political discourse in the last five years, and I don't normally delve into politics on this podcast, but in my day job, I'm a radio producer. I, I speak from experience when I say that the discourse, that is the daily to and fro of politics, and in particular political journalism has been, and this is my word, toxic in the last five years. Can I just ask you to reflect on that for a moment? I, I think that I'm not asking you to talk about political preference, but I'm, I just the entire discourse has been really awful in the last five years, hasn't it? And the other part, part of my question is, you must be pleased to step away. Uh, yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the other hand, day to day it gets... Uh, excruciating to to deal with it and process it and keep a good attitude. But then, uh, you know, when I when I taught political science, you know, I used there are so many examples in history of of uh, of times like this in our history, American history, in world history. We've had uh, leadership challenges. We've had. Um, much worse than just challenges in leadership in world and American history. So what what I'm trying to keep in mind is this is a blip. What is going on is a blip and that we will come back together and a discourse. Discourse is always going to be, there will be disagreements. There will be Democrats and Republicans and uh, in our country and the same in your country. Um, But, but we, the, the level of 
of discourse will return to a more civil level. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. What, what I'm more concerned about as a journalist is what's happening to uh, journalism with uh, people using terms that denigrate um, good work being done uh, all over the world in journalism. And that troubles me. And I'm hoping that most people see through that and see the value in great work in informing and keeping us all informed, which all our democracies, you know, depend upon every day. And we, that's what worries me more than who's in the White House or who's, who's prime minister of Australia. Uh, the bigger thing to me is uh, the discourse and the, the value of, of information and being educated about what's going on. Well, that's a great answer. I'm going to leave that there because that's about the best answer that I could possibly have asked for. So, Sue, Sue, I'm going to go to you now, Sue. Reg tells me that the pair of you plan plan to travel in retirement. That was the grand plan. But a 500-mile walk was not on the agenda. But So where did you start? Uh, Where did you finish? And can I ask you, did you stay in albergues or did you stay in pensions? Tell us about your Camino. Uh, we, uh, um, well, you're right. We, we plan on traveling we, uh, in retirement, not necessarily by foot, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Camino was really the second, only the second big retirement trip we took. Um, and we uh, flew into Madrid and took a bus to Pamplona and arriving in Pamplona found that the um, the uh, border St. Jean going over the Pyrenees was closed due to snow. Um, we were, this was in April and it was kind of a late spring in the mountains, I guess. So we made the decision to just start our Camino in Pamplona uh, in, in part because we didn't really want to walk in the snow. We knew we were kind of inexperienced and it was also kind of um, an expensive taxi ride to get to the French border and, just only to walk back to where we were. <laughs> so we started in Pamplona and uh, stayed in albergues, oh, I don't know, maybe half the time in albergues. Um, we often had private rooms in the albergues. That made Reg very happy when we had a private room. Um, but we stayed in our, our fair share of dorm rooms. Um, and then we also stayed in some uh, pensions, which were really nice too. They a little more quiet, a little um, a little more private, I guess. Um, and we walked uh, to Santiago. We did make it to Santiago. Um, we did run out of time. Um, we had a couple rest days that we weren't planning on and got a little behind schedule. So um, we did bus a little bit to catch up so that we could walk into Santiago on time. So we kind of we kind of did a lot of different things. We did carry our own packs. I guess shipping our packs ahead was one thing we did not do. So, um, you know, we, we kind of tried a little bit of everything along the Camino. Are you religious or, or spiritual people, Sue? You know, I... My parents were not churchgoers. I I did a little bit of Sunday school when I was um, in elementary school and junior high. Um, it's not something that I is a part of my life right now. I think I probably describe myself as an agnostic if I had to choose a term. You know, I understand why people find comfort in the church and and why it's important to people, but it's not something that I feel a need to have in my life. Um, you know, spiritual is kind of a, that's kind of a funny term. I, I'm not always sure what that means. Um, I think it's kind of hard to be out walking in nature day after day and not feel a spirit of some kind. Um, whether that's religious or not, I don't know. Um, so that's, yeah, know, does that make that's sense? A, no, no, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. And Reg, you say you felt a deep spirituality on the Camino. So just just elaborate on what that means to you. What it means to me is, uh, like what Sue was saying, uh, 
there's a feeling on the Camino that permeates. It, for me, it just permeated everything, every part of me. Um, and and it, I just felt so at peace. You know, I had grown up um, going to 13 different schools. My father moved us. One, one year, I went to three different schools. We moved, and we, we lived in small trailers. And, uh, you know, we, I was used to being picked up and moved at no notice at all. And yet, here I was on the Camino, a different bed every night, and I've never felt more at home. Never. And, and that's still the case. Um, so what was it? Was it spiritual? Was it? Yeah, I think it was uh, in a non-religious sense. But then there were times when, you know, sitting in, in the, the, the cathedral in Santiago at the Pilgrim Mass, I got to say, I mean, I was, I was filled with spiritual feelings. I mean, when the nun was singing, the voice... It just sounded so angelic. Uh, was it religious? No, I don't. I don't think so. Not for me. But you know, I can't say exactly what it was. It was just very powerful. It was overwhelming. And you said earlier that you felt like you found the fountain of youth on the Camino. I, I th- right. That's a pretty good find, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a wonderful find, and I, you know, I plan to keep walking these treks that we've been doing as long as I can because that's how it feels. You know, you, it's hard. Sure, it's hard carrying a backpack, walking up mountains, you know, sweating, you know, uh, not eating, you know, having to sit on a gravel path to have your lunch in the sun where there's no shade. So there's hardship. You hurt. You long for the beer at the end of the day. And all that, um, you know, but but you can do it, and I can do it, and that's it's so such a simple lifestyle, the routine, and it just it it feels it makes me feel youthful. And then the other part is, you know, you have people who are eighteen years old and people who are seventy five, and you don't feel your age. Everybody just seems the same. It's we just are. Yeah. I've- I think the, the the great thing about uh, about the simplicity, and you touched on it there. Uh, you 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 walk, you get in each evening, wash your clothes, have a sleep, get up the next day. Uh, if that's all we ever had to worry about, we'd be doing okay. So, Sue, can I ask you? It, yes. it, the, the Camino is a pilgrimage. What's the best part about being a pilgrim? Oh, the best part about being a pilgrim. Let me think. I think what I um, what I really appreciated was, well, in part what Reg has said, you know, the fact that, that everybody's working towards the same goal. You know, we all want to get ahead one more day, to walk one more day, to, you know, everybody's trying to get to, Santiago, for the most part, people who are trying to walk through or trying to get to Santiago. So everybody has kind of a shared goal. Um, but that doesn't mean they won't stop and help you on the way if you're having a problem. Um, and it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your nationality. Um, it, everybody kind of works together to carry everyone through if they can help. And I think that was, that's really what I found most um, maybe surprising. I, I think I told Reg at one point when we were walking that I kind of thought all of our world leaders should put on a backpack and lace up some boots and walk the Camino together, um, you know, and maybe they'd find a better way to to run this world, you know, between them all. Because it's just such a nice leveling field where everybody really is the same. Yeah, yeah, great idea. So, were you spreadsheet pilgrims? Were you? Did you plan everything well in advance, or or, 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 or did you? Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> well, I think back, and I think we were um, so naive about a lot of it. You know, it was what five years ago, six six years ago, 
right? We did it six years ago. Um, it seems like there's just so much more information available about the Camino now. Um, six years ago, we, you know, we, we just didn't have all the resources that seem to be available now. Um, I mean, well, we weren't on Facebook. We didn't have all the on, I don't know. It, it, I think we were kind of naive going into it. Um, and Dan, part of that was, you know, by design, we didn't, we weren't people who read the guide. We had the Brearley guidebook. Everybody has the Brearley guidebook, it seems. But And I love the guidebook. It's wonderful. He did a great job. But we intentionally didn't read it most days So because we wanted to be surprised. We didn't want to know what was around the next corner. And most of the time, we didn't, we didn't call ahead. We didn't book rooms. We just stopped when we felt like it. And that, I think, you talk about the spirit of the Camino. I think that's what... Uh, most many pilgrims want to do is that that flexibility and that led us to some incredible surprises uh good and bad i mean i remember one albergue where it's one o'clock uh we were in this tiny village and here we were looking oh here's an albergue you know there's 24 beds here it's one o'clock we're gonna have to wait for two hours for it to open and sue said oh i just she had a feeling we should stay there. And and we did. And it ended up being one of the most memorable evenings of our lives because of, uh, you know, just a combination of things. And then another time where we took a detour uh, with a friend and it led to an amazing adventure. Um, so and then you, so we didn't plan much. And we, we were naive, like Sue said, very naive. <laughs> you know, Reg, your book is called Camino Sunrise, Walking With My Shadows. It's about the journey of the Camino, but also your journey in life. And you say, each new day uncovers lessons in camaraderie, acceptance, and hope as you confront disturbing shadows from your past. Why shadows? Uh, Well, for for me... um I struggled with, you know, why am I wired this way? Why am I so anxious? Why do I worry so much and, and um, about silly things? Why do I make catastrophes out of nothing? Um, and I think the Camino um, and trekking in general has, has made me, it strips away everything else. So you see, it ex- you're exposed. Um, kind of like writing the book exposed me too. But the Camino does that. It exposes yourself to yourself. And you see maybe I felt like that I was able to see more deeply things and things from my past that I hadn't considered before. And it helped me process them. And in the book, I, I, they come up and, and they, they blend into the, in certain situations and events in the, on the Camino. But... The message is one of hope, um, and and that's really what I was striving for here uh, when I wrote it. In my experiences in processing these shadows from the past, and and one one woman from San Diego, a reader, uh, wrote to me and said, "You know, I wish every junior high kid could could read this book and see it's not just them, it's not just them, and life does evolve." And she wishes that they could see that. And she thought my book brought that home. Hey, Sue, can I ask you, uh, did shedding some light uh, on Reg's, in inverted commas, shadows, did you, you see a big change in him? And, and what have you made of it since? Um, you know, I think... Uh, definitely a big change while we were walking. I mean, he really did have a lot of fear about the um, the lack of privacy and the lodging concerns. Um, and I did see that not totally disappear, but I saw him deal with a lot of those fears um, in a much more positive way. Um, you know, I, I do think 
you know, like Reg said, he worries about things and, and he worries about some things that happened uh, 55 years ago and he's still worrying about some incident today. Um, and I think it's going to be an ongoing battle for him to, to, uh, to find his way um, through all that. I think it's a daily effort, but um, I think what, what the walking did for Reg was, was to open his eyes to uh, realizing that he doesn't have to plan absolutely everything in advance that, that some of the exciting things in life are, are what we can't even comp contemplate. Um, you know, uh, what, what's up around the next bend? It doesn't have to be something bad. What if it's something really exciting? Um, you know, and, and I think that's what we, we both learned a little bit about that, 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 that taking each day as it comes is, is a real positive thing. Um, you know, you can plan for the future, but you kind of have to live for today. Wow. Great line. Great line. I wonder then, Sue, did you kind of step back and watch from a distance this transformation, uh, this man that you have loved for so long, uh, changing before your very eyes? You must have thought, of oh, heaven's sake, it's taken so long. What a relief. <laughs> well, I, I will say that there have been many times in our life that I have been very frustrated with, you know, some of his idiosyncrasies. Um, <laughs> and, and, and hang on, and now, now you're on the Camino, and you said that, you know, he's, he's so anxious and so nervous and so stressed out about everything. You know, it's it, it, a lot of it's hard for me to understand. And I think, you know, Reg and I both went to four-year colleges. Um, my experience was so very different than Reg's. You know, I lived with a group of girls, and we had friends come and spend the weekend, and we were in and out of the bathrooms together. And, you know, that's how girls are. Um, you know, Reg didn't have those same experiences in college. He, you know, he worked a lot. He went to school and he worked. And so the social things that I experienced that would have, that really kind of kept me from being afraid of, of sleeping in a dorm room. Reg didn't have that. He didn't have those experiences. So, um, y you know, it was just really hard for me. It's, it's been really hard for me to understand a lot of times. I, I try to be patient, um, you know, but it, yeah. it has gotten much, much better. You know, um, it's interesting just a point you made there. And, uh, and it's something I, I made a little note of here on my notes, poverty. So Reg, you you came from poverty, yet you ended up with a college education. Uh, just just talk us through that. You must have you, that, that's quite an achievement, is is it not? Well, um, yes, yeah, <laughs> I guess it is. I'm I'm pretty hard on myself, so uh, but yeah, I'll I'll say I'll say yes. Um, I mean, my parents were um, immigrants. They're both born in England. My father was 51 when I was born, uh, a lot older. Neither of them went past the 10th grade. Nobody in my family had got a high school degree, much less ever attended college. Uh, and there were seven, seven of us, seven siblings. Uh, what made me go to college? Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like something I was always going to do since I was a child. And my mother encouraged me. Uh, she was raised in Northern Ireland. My father was an old fashioned Englishman, but he never worked as long as I, uh, after I was born. And my mother supported us by cleaning houses and cleaning the hospital rooms. And, you know, we lived for, in a 16 foot travel trailer for a year. We lived in an old mobile home for years. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, I went to school in used clothing and and it was brutal. Kids are brutal, uh, you know, when you don't look the same, when you don't fit, and you don't fit their idea of what a child, what they're, what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to be dressed, and you know that that was hard. That that was it was horrific. In fact, uh, 
is is a very difficult upbringing. And I sure we always had food. We, I I never uh, went hungry, but you know everything else. I felt very poor. It it was very obvious that we were poor. Um, and maybe that's what motivated me. Is I didn't I didn't want that. Um, and uh, you know, so I I chose a different path. And and college was one of the big steps for that. That's a great story, you know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you. you know, you probably don't appreciate the quality of the story you tell, uh, but I know that me and and my listeners are thinking, great, you know, great story, great achievement, great life, right? <laughs> you, you, you know, and and sometimes it takes something like the Camino to give you the space and time to appreciate where you've come from. Is that, is, I, that, I, is, that in, is that right in your case, that you were able to stop, reflect back on what you've been able to achieve and say, you know what, I did all right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, and being around people uh, on the Camino from all over the world and they accepted me as who I was and I was very honored by that, that people who are adventurers and world travelers, like the kind of people who are attracted to Spain to walk across the country, you know, these are brave people uh, by and large. They're, they had amazing lives and they accepted me and I thought, wow, this is, this is really great. I, I, I'm fitting in with these people. I, I belong here with these people. And it was a, it was a great uh, feeling yeah. to know that I fit. Yeah, and, and so my next question is about being then world pilgrims because you've really embraced the concept of pilgrimage because you've done three other long walks in Europe, including Italy's way of St. Francis last year. Uh, uh, what a great thing to discover. <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful, but later in life, a great thing to discover later in life, right? It, it, it is. Um, and the way of St. Francis, I think a lot of listeners, uh, you know, people who love the Camino, I hear many say that, uh, you know, the Camino is, is suffering from crowds. And, uh, boy, if you don't want crowds, go to Italy and walk the way of St. Francis, because I don't think we saw more than 40 people in five weeks on the entire trail. But, but yes, it is wonderful to discover such an, such an amazing uh, travel experience and way to see the world on our feet. It, it is incredible to, to do that in our 60s. And, you know, I, I just heard from a friend who walked the John Muir Trail in California, and she saw three octogenarians hiking the entire 200 miles with backpacks. So I'm hoping that's me one day. Yeah. I'm doing that yeah. in my 80s. Yeah, how <laughs> wonderful. Let's talk about the book Camino Sunrise, Walking With My Shadows. And Sue, you illustrated the book. Uh, so did you paint on the Camino? No, no, no. I, um, I, I, I painted at home. I, painting was something, was kind of my, one of my retirement goals. I wanted to try and try my hand at painting. So I worked from photographs and, uh, you know, it was kind of my first try at doing any of that. So, um, you know, it's just, it was kind of fun, kind of brought back a lot of memories. You know, some, some of the illustrations are better than others, but, you know, that's, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, but the, but the front cover of the book is Reg and uh, a painting of Reg and, and, and the trail peeling off in front of him. And, and it looks to me like you didn't want to just paint your husband. You wanted to paint a place and time, a space a kind of even even if I could say this, a headspace. Right, right. Well, and you know, I, I think as I as I started painting, I realized that I definitely have some limitations, <laughs> and so um, you know, the the pictures of Reg are all 
from the back and or the pictures of all of yeah. us are all from the back. And, yeah. um, you know, partly because when you, that's, you know, the goal is to go forward. So I, I thought, you know, painting people from the back was kind of a, that was my thing that kind of kept that forward movement, I guess. Um, but I will say that the front cover, I've had more and more people tell me that that looks like Reg. They know that's Reg. They can tell it's him. So that was probably the best painting of all yeah. what he chose for the cover yeah it's awesome and, and reg you're doing book talks now yes i'm doing another one tomorrow at uh, barnes and noble here i did one in ashland last month um yes i mean I, I was nervous about them because you know a book talk is so different than a lecture in a lecture hall or um any any other kind of uh, public speaking i've ever done um you know, and I, uh, I didn't know what readers, what, what people who come to a book talk, what do they expect? What do they expect the author to do? Um, but it went real well, the first one. On a snowy night, we had a full house in the, this bookstore in downtown Ashland, and I was thrilled. Um, uh, so so it, it went very well. Um, I, I enjoyed doing it, and I, I love hearing from readers. I I just love it. I, I just got a note from a, uh, a guy in Scotland who read the book and had, you know, he says, I've read 60, more than 60 Camino books and yours is one of the best. And I can't tell you how that thrills me. It's just for someone who has walked the Camino and read so much about it, for them to say something like that um, means tremendous amount to me. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's great. That's so great. And, and Sue, back to you. What do your family and friends make of all of this pilgrim life? <laughs> um, you know, well, we've got three kids. We've got three boys, adult boys. And I, I, think, I think they think it's pretty cool that we do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always nice when the kids are impressed with things you do. <laughs> um, my, um, I have a 92-year-old dad who um, I sent postcards to every week while we were on the Camino. And uh, now he's got some home health care person who will, um, Margarita will show him our blog as we hike. And so she, you know, she keeps him up to date on where we are and what we're going. And he can see the pictures and read our stories as we blog and hike. So um, that's kind of fun. It's kind of fun that he can be a part of it that way. Um, and, you know, our friends, we've got a lot of friends who are doing some pretty amazing things, too. So, um, you know, our friends kind of run the gamut from, boy, I could never do that to, um, you know, doing things that are far more than we could ever do. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. It's just been, uh, been a real fun thing to do. Yeah, it is a fun thing to do, and it's great fun sitting around talking about it like we are. But I, I just I only have a couple of more questions. Reg, if someone's listening and they're yep. unsure, as you were, about walking the Camino, sharing accommodation and stepping way out of their comfort zone, what would you say to them? Well, first I'd say that's when you really feel life, when you get outside your comfort zone. Um and uh, but then I'd say that if you're worried about uh, privacy, if you're worried about the albergues, I mean, if you're worried about can I walk um, <clears throat> 10 miles a day, 12 miles a day or whatever. I mean, the infrastructure of the Camino and the people who come to Spain uh, on this great pilgrimage, you know, uh, it's set up so that it adapts and they adapt to you. So, you know, if you can't do the albergues, which I bet just about every listener out there would be like me, and you'd realize very quickly that what you're worried about really was not a big deal. Everybody respects your privacy on the Camino. I never had anybody disrespect that. And the facilities are, by and large, very good. But if you can't handle the albergues, there's pensions, there's plenty of other places you can stay where you can have your own room. That really a... a pretty affordable price compared to anywhere else in the world that you might travel. Um, 
and and then so and if you you know if you can't uh, there's so many ways you can walk part of the Camino. You can you can take public transportation to skip parts if you want. Some people do sections and come back the next year. There's so many ways to do the Camino that that really uh, it's there for anyone. Virtually anyone in reasonable condition uh, will find a comfortable place on the Camino de Santiago. I feel that very strongly. Uh, and so I'd say go for it and, and allow yourself as much flexibility as you can in time. And don't set unreasonable goals would be one piece of advice. Go with it and just see how it goes. And, you know, like, like two people um, who came to the Camino and they were just walking from Leon to Santiago and we met them on their first day, one from Texas and one from Australia. And they'd been friends uh, for 50 years. And they were meeting up again on the Camino. And they weren't sure they were going to be able to make it. And, and they had planned a, a certain number of days to see if they could make it to San Diego. And I remember that first night over a glass of wine, uh, they just said, well, we've already decided that if we can't do it, we're going to the southern coast of Spain and just lay on the beach for a couple of weeks. So that's the way to go to Spain with, with the attitude of just go with what happens. And, and um, you know, I think the vast majority of people have a very good experience. So what would you say to somebody who's trying to convince somebody else to walk? Um, I, I would say... Um, that if you can if you can push yourself to 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 do something uh, beyond what you think you're capable of, I think the lessons you can learn are invaluable. Um, you know, the idea of of getting up in the morning and not knowing what's over the hill or around the corner. Um, I I just think the 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 Camino has so many lessons to teach people. Um, and, and sometimes they're just very small lessons and sometimes they're, they're huge lessons. Um, but I think, you know, one of the big lessons that I learned was just how good people are, you know, people really are good. They're good to each other. And, and I think, I think that's really prevalent on the Camino that you, you just, learn to trust and, and enjoy without, without competition. Well, what, what a wonderful way to finish a great interview. I, I think it's a great story. Reg and Sue, it's Friday afternoon there, Saturday morning here. And, and that, that time difference kind of brings home to me how far we are apart geographically, yet how close we are thanks to the Camino. Thank you so much to both of you for sharing with this pilgrim from the other side of the world. I, and I, 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 I always finish by saying buen camino. But I, I want to thank you both. Reg, yours is a great story. And Sue, and Sue you, you've been a great support for Reg. And I want to say, first of all, thank you for sharing. And secondly, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us, Dan, and uh, you have a, a great weekend. It's It's been an honor to be with you, Dan, and I love your show, and keep on doing it. It's it's a it's a great beacon for all of us, for, for pilgrims all over the world. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. My guests this week, Reg and Sue Spittle from Ashland, Oregon. Reg's book is called Camino Sunrise, Walking With My Shadows. You can find it on Amazon, and Sue's watercolours are divine. You can also find the book alongside some beautiful pictures Reg has taken and pictures Sue has painted at regspittle.com, R-E-G-S-P-I-T-T-L-E, regspittle.com. I read that poem at the beginning of the interview, the author, Unknown. If the mountain seems too big today, then climb a hill instead. If the morning brings you sadness, 
it's okay to stay in bed. If the day ahead weighs heavy and your plans feel like a curse, there's no shame in rearranging. Don't make yourself feel worse. If a shower stings like needles and a bath feels like you'll drown, if you haven't washed your hair for days, don't throw away your crown. A day is not a lifetime. A rest is not defeat. Don't think of it as failure. Just a quiet, kind retreat. It's okay to take a moment from an anxious, fractured mind. The world will not stop turning when you get realigned. The mountain will still be there when you want to try again. You can climb it in your own time. Just love yourself till then. If you'd like to sponsor me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash danmullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere 